Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Sometimes people struggle with the biblical term saved. Often this is simply because they don't quite get the concept of being lost. If I'm saved, then it certainly implies that there was something I needed to be saved from, and there is. We all need to be saved from a purposeless life, from the unhappy consequences of sin here on earth, and most of all, from the eternal consequences of sin after life is over, in hell, separated from God forever. Yes, the Bible makes it clear that as sinners, we are all lost. How are we lost? Well, we were all born spiritually dead and disconnected from God. There is no natural living relationship with Him, and we can't help that, of course. We were born in this condition because of the fall of Adam. It's because of this that we are lost, lost to God, hopeless and helpless in our sins. But we certainly don't have to die that way. In fact, God has done all that was possible so that we wouldn't have to. He has sent his son to pay the debt of our tremendous sin problem. He has provided the link back to fellowship with himself. And it's all by his grace. Not works. And no merit. No religion. No price. This is the gospel message for all of mankind. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? Today's message by evangelist Mr. David Hurley High answers that very question. The book of the Acts, chapter 16. And for the sake of some who may not be familiar with the story, we'll just pick up and give the sense of this story that was going to take place. That the narrative is given by Luke, the doctor and historian. And he gives this accurate account of an event that took place. So it is in Philippi as the city. We'll begin to read in verse number 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So it was a medium, a psychic. And here she was. She was bringing money to those who used her as property. They simply used her as a tool to make money. That's all it was. She had no quality of life, and she was being used sorely. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And she came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They had done nothing of the sort. They brought the way of salvation, the news of God's forgiveness. But this is the perspective, because they were losing money that was troubling to them. So they do trouble our city, verse 21, and teach customs 
which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Now, just to interject for a moment, why was it not lawful for them to observe this teaching being Romans? Well, of course, in Rome, there was a Caesar, and he was worshipped as God. That was really the truth of it. The Caesar replaced God. And these men were teaching the way of salvation of the Most High God. So that was the difficulty. That was the difficulty preaching it in Rome, was that a man was replacing God in that nation, but now the thing was being righted and saying there's a true God, a high God, God Almighty, and you need to be saved before Him. Far more important than the Caesar. So that was the difficulty now that they're going to pin it on. We know it began with money, a problem where they lost their prophets for what they were doing that was really against the high God, okay, with the Caesar, but it wasn't right with the real God because he valued the souls of men and women. He valued this dear girl, and she was delivered from the power of her masters and from a deeper bondage. She was saved. So now they're going to pin a religious excuse and make it unlawful in the country, so that was why it was unlawful for them to observe it being Romans, because they told them of the one true God. Verse 22, And the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates read off their clothes and, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. An amazing thing to hear these people who had been treated so sorely and they were in pain and they're singing praise to God. That kind of goes beyond, doesn't it? But that's what true Christianity and persecution often that is often the response. Verse 26 this was the response of God to their prayers and to their praises and to this man's need. Verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. It was certain death if he had lost his prisoners. He was in trouble and he knew it. His life was worth nothing. But Paul saved his life. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Now listen to this. This is what we have read all of this for, to come to this. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's the expression I would like to leave on your mind tonight. To be saved. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. So it wasn't that his response to faith would save a household, because it was clear that, and your house can be saved too. But they had to tell him the message to all the house as well. It, what was good for him was good for each one of the household. And likewise, in keeping with that, Paul and Silas spoke to everyone in that household that night. So that we see that God is often interested in families and households. And often a whole or many in a family will be reached and saved in God's matchless grace and mercy. So there was a remarkable change. In verse 33, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. I don't know if this is an, a familiar expression to you tonight that we have read, to be saved. There are some people that would try to deny the existence of the word saved even in the Bible. 
Such people have not studied their Bibles very well, because really in the New Testament alone you will find the word saved 57 times. And many of them key verses that agree with one another and support that there is something real called being saved that the New Testament teaches absolutely clearly. It is, of course, not a word that is just a religious ceremony or necessarily just in the religious context, but rather it is a word that we would use in an everyday sense, in even in that day, that merely means a deliverance. The deliverance is not just a physical danger, it is a spiritual one. It is not just a temporal blessing, something linked with this world in time. It is linked with eternity. So that many people confuse and they start to cross paths with this word saved. You ask them if they were saved and they immediately begin to tell you about some physical deliverance. In the spiritual context in which the Bible uses it, to be saved, it is a spiritual salvation that is eternal. A salvation from our condition, our state as a sinner, and from its consequences from the punishment of our sins, which are eternal. So to be saved. Good biblical context and foundation, the word saved. Now, oftentimes when people are faced with something like this, to be saved, it immediately represents a difficulty. Do you know why? Because the expression that we have read tonight is to be saved. To be saved. There's something in that very expression and that truth that goes against human nature. We do not like to be saved, not religiously speaking. And in fact, that is the main difference when it comes to true Christianity and being born again. What makes true Christianity and a person who is saved, who is born again, different from everything else is this, that I do not do the saving. I do not even help God save me. I do not deserve to be saved. The Bible is absolutely clear that none of us deserve to be saved. We, in God's eyes, are sinners. We have offended his nature. We are all like those that God has pronounced guilty in his presence. Not because we ourselves, in some cases, are exceedingly sinful. I know I am not looking into the face of, of a hall full of murderers tonight. I highly doubt it. But I know that I am looking into the faces of those who have sinned, just like I have sinned. And it's not so much that we are tonight trying to make you leave this meeting with your head hanging and feeling guilty and down on yourself and with a poor self-image. We are trying to impress you rather with this, that God is a holy God and one sin is too many for God. I was raised in a farm. When it came to the kitchen, which you had to go through the kitchen to get to the rest of our farmhouse, my mother read a tight ship. She knew what it was to be in the barn milking cows at 5.30 in the morning, but she knew what it was to be back in by 8 o'clock in the morning, probably with bread in the pans to be cooked. And you just simply did not come through that kitchen with your barn boots on because it was mom's kitchen and mom had rules. It just didn't happen. Did she have the right to set rules in her own kitchen? She certainly did. She certainly did. That was the heart of that home, that kitchen. Do you think that somehow God can be robbed of the privilege he has of saying no sin is allowed into heaven because he has a holy God? Sin is against his nature. It's a tremendous offense to him. And he says, because every one of us have a nature in us that naturally propels us toward offense, toward the wrong side of a decision, the wrong actions which he calls sins, all of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God, and therefore we need to be saved. But religion says almost entirely across the board that there is something you can do. They just try to convince you and 
and shore you up and prop you up and convince you, you know, you're a good person, basically. You just need a little teaching, a little working with, and eventually you can make it. Do the best you can. And as long as you're sincere, whatever your supreme being is in your belief system, you will make it. But that's not according to the Bible. The Bible says that if a person is going to experience salvation, they have to be saved. The power comes from outside of themselves. The condition is too serious. Every one of us are without strength. We do not have the ability to save ourselves. Now, I'm not here tonight again to insult you. I am simply here giving you biblical truth. And he uses the expression, coming from a, the lips of a man who had only heard it likely a short time, what must I do to be saved? And immediately he understood this. To be saved represents a difficulty. You know why? He did not know how to be saved. Can I ask you tonight, do you know how to be saved? This man didn't know how to be saved. All he knew that from what he had heard, these men were telling and showing the way of salvation. And he was convinced of reality because here he is. He likely thought these were tremendous criminals because of the charge that had been committed to him to keep them safely with your life. And so there he is and he's at his job and he's doing the night shift. Likely a retired military officer from the Roman army. Often they would be given these positions. After they were done with their traveling and had families, often they would be given a position like this, a nice cushy job in a jail, looking after it. And this was perhaps that job that led up to retirement. And here he was. And he begins to hear something coming from a prison cell. Likely he had heard oaths and curses. Likely he had heard the off-color jokes and the things that would take place typically among criminals. Suddenly he hears singing. He had heard drunkards sing. But now these men are respectable. These men are upright. And they are singing. Here's them praising God. And he says, what do they have to be praising God about? And he hears them praying to God. And they're maybe not even necessarily asking them to be freed from prison, but they're just simply commuting and talking with God, speaking to him. Do you know why men and women do that? Because God is real. And in order to be saved, a person that is saved has a relationship with God. It's more than just a deliverance from our sins. That's maybe the negative side of it. But the positive is it's a relationship with God. We actually come to know God. The Lord Jesus defines it for us in John chapter 17, verse 3. And he says, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So a person that is saved, God is real to them because he is real. And they speak to him. And there is real living contact, vital relationship with God. So here was this man, he's faced with this. And it seems that at some point he was convinced of this. There's something real about this. Something real about this. But you know when this night became very difficult for him? When this expression, to be saved, presented real difficulty? When God came into his life and he touched him. And suddenly this man's life got a shake. And he understood this. Everything in this world, in this life is fragile. And life is short. And I need to be saved. August the 19th, 1980. Three of my brothers and a, a brother's friend were on a farm wagon going to a hayfield to bale hay. And we came to a certain point in a field where my father was supposed to be raking hay. There was a tractor that was upside down. And my father was underneath it. And he was gone. My brother, who was 13, one of my brothers, was not saved. And he understood this. If I'm ever going to see Dad again, I need to be saved. And he understood this. 
that could have been me. And if it had been me, I'm not saved. And I wouldn't be in heaven. Dad's in heaven. It came to a moment when he faced God. And he faced his sins. And he was saved. Do you know what happened two weeks later? Sitting in a prayer meeting through Romans 5 and 6. He understood that he could be saved. Because Christ died for his sins. Christ died for the ungodly. I know that dad would have laid down his life had he known it meant his son would get saved. Because a person who was saved considers that the most important thing for their children. And any preacher or minister who does not preach about saved, I would have to question if they don't underline and emphasize the reality and the need to be saved. I would have to question if they know what it means. You could be saved and you could respond to a message in a gospel meeting and be saved. But sometimes people resist it and God continues to speak louder and louder and louder. And eventually they do respond and they are saved. Why not come the easy way? I'm not saying that God is going to reach in and give you an earthquake. But if you did and you were saved, it would be a miracle and it would be a mercy to you. You would forever thank God. That that come into your life, that difficulty come in, so that you would think seriously about this and recognize this. To be saved not only represents a difficulty, because I don't know how it happens, but it represents an opportunity. I could be saved. Listen, there's one thing we want infinitely clear as you sit in this meeting tonight. You can be saved. You can be saved right here in this meeting, because it's in the Bible, and Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he died so that we could be saved. Today, there is an opportunity that you are being faced with to be saved. To be saved a difficulty for some. To be saved an opportunity when they realize I can have it. But to be saved a necessity. He said, what must I do to be saved? You know what was the truth of it for this man? I'm not going another night until I'm saved. People like that get saved. When it comes to the point where I cannot go on without this, I need this. It's in the Bible, and I need it. It doesn't take long for people like that to get saved. Listen, this is for all peoples of all the world. God's not just singling out religions and classes and, and tribes and races. This is something he has provided for all the world by mercy and grace and by his mighty power, the necessity of being saved. But thank God it is a certain. This is what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. An absolute certainty. Not you can hope you would be saved. Not you can think you can be saved, but you will be saved. It's a promise from God. That if you rest on what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross, when he suffered, God promises to save. The person who simply rests by faith on him, he will save. A promise from God. I remember one occasion, my youngest daughter, they used to love jumping off the steps into dad's arms. And you know how children, they never like to give it up. They just go till you're absolutely wore out and sometimes the children were getting bigger. So after I got tired of the game one night, I just simply stood back and put my hands behind my back. And they were lining up, and I started with the biggest. Well, Luke had stopped doing it, but the girls, and Carolyn, she was the oldest, and she said, she kind of looked, and 
She's a little afraid of heights anyway. And she, she said, Dad, put your hands out. I said, no, I'll catch you. I'll catch you. And so she looked, she wavered, and then she kind of stepped back and says, Laura, you go. So Laura steps up, and she almost did. She wavered, and she refused to jump and trust hands that she couldn't see. If she could see them, that was one thing, but not if she couldn't see them. Courtney was the youngest. She just simply pushed the others aside and leapt to a person she knew she could trust because she meant too much to me to drop her. She jumped. You think I dropped her? No. It's true faith. She jumped to hands that she necessarily couldn't see, but she trusted the person. That's all we're asking you tonight. It's all God's asking you to do. Do you think God can be trusted? Do you think the Lord Jesus suffered enough for any sinner? You mean too much to God for him to let you go down to hell. And if you trust him, if you rest on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, in absolute certainty on the authority of God's word, thou, you, will be saved. Yes, God can be trusted, not only to save you right here and now, but to keep you until life's journey is done. God has provided an eternal salvation that we can never lose. The work of Christ on Calvary was done to God's complete satisfaction. His blood was shed to make guilty sinners clean, and you cannot add to that work. We hope that Mr. Hurley High's message will help you to understand your need and the perfect salvation provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him as your very own personal Savior today and rejoice right now in sins forgiven and everlasting life. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website, at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.